I'm Alex. And I'm Matt, and welcome back to the show. We're really excited to be back here. It's season three, 2019, and it has been far too long since we recorded a show, but we have them all lined up, and we're back, and we have a brand new season. We think you'll really enjoy it, and uh, I look forward to getting up to all of you and also getting your feet. So, Alex, what have you been up to uh, since our last podcast all the way back in 2017? Um, well, I've kind of just been living my life here in Jordan, um, been continuing doing some language coaching work, which I think we uh, spoke about at, at some point on a kind of uh, the last or penultimate podcast. Um, I published a bunch of Taliban documents in a book um, as a Taliban reader. Um, and as will become apparent in this coming season um, of episodes, I've kind of been working on ways to uh, engage, enhance, use, um, benefit from kind of more quantitative side and skills, um, something which I hadn't really done in my research work before. Um, but yeah, so it's been interesting kind of moving into um, new pastures somewhat. Uh, Matt, what have you been out to? Yeah, uh, it's amazing. Congratulations again on uh, on your document, The Taliban Reader, uh, is a, uh, an academic uh, gold mine of a resource. Um, and, uh, I know it's gotten a lot of, uh, uh, impressive reviews. So it's, uh, amazing. You got that out the door on my end, um, moved back to the United States, uh, more or less still plenty of travel, uh, to the middle East and, uh, and elsewhere. Um, and, uh, Afghanistan last summer for the American university graduation, which was fantastic. But the big news is, uh, launched another company, um, you know, best never to learn from our previous experiences and I'll just launch right into the next thing. Um, so blank slate technologies, it is, uh, I don't think anything that would be surprising to anybody, uh, who's listened to what, uh, you and I talk about Alex, it's, it's on the themes of memory and learning and spaced repetition and sort of trying to take that and, and, um, taking a whole new direction on it and, uh, at sort of a broadband level. Um, so it's been, you know, head in the head in the sand working on on that for the last uh probably about a year, year and a half or so. Um along with some other sort of smaller side projects that uh will sort of dribble out uh over this season. So Alex, we've recorded a bunch of shows. What what's the main thrust uh this time? You know, last seasons it was talking with journalists or researchers. We had, you know, trying to get the world's most interesting people you and I can get a hold of. Um but this season, what do we got? So this season, it's all about technology, um, with a tiny interlude into civil war and post-conflict kind of development, just to prove that you know we can. We're, 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 that's still our our, our core theme. Um, so we kind of uh, <laughs> got in touch with some some real kind of uh, leaders who are driving the agenda in research, uh, people who are funding technology projects, um, as well as given our you know. Long-standing interest in kind of education and teaching, um, so people who are working um, uh, at various levels in um, uh, in allowing people to to understand technology, to work with it. Um, uh, some from a more skeptical, but generally speaking, most of the people are are coming from a a fairly kind of um, uh, yeah. Let's say they're believers in the the, the role of technology uh, in the world. Um, so who have we got in this first episode, Matt? 
In this first episode, we speak with Sasha and Terry from Right Lobe Math. It's a company they co-founded a ways back to uh, sort of a new take on an old technology, which is something uh, you and I are always interested in, Alex, uh, the Abacus. Um, it was pretty interesting to, to, to bring that sort of, I think, from the, the history book straight forward to the present. So we get into the, uh, the education and their educational efforts at the primary school level and, um, and talk about mathematical literacy for uh, students and adults and really anybody who's trying to just become a little faster, a little sharper, and also a little more physical in uh, their grasp of mathematics. So they have some, some pretty big ideas and uh, the early results, if I recall correctly, are pretty promising from what they're, from what they're pushing forward. So uh, yeah, very interesting discussion. I've been working my way through the through the syllabus, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's very interesting at, at the least. But um, but yeah, it's 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 a it's a useful skill to have one under one's belt. And as we get into in the episode, um, I should say like the audio in parts for this episode is a bit wonky. I would say you have to blame the Jordanian government for that, um, for the quality <laughs> of the internet. Um, but hopefully, you'll be able to get get a lot out of the podcast. Um, uh, regardless. Uh, next episode, we're speaking with Chris Lee from Launch School, and he'll be talking about coding and education. My name is Sasha Goldberg, and um, I have, um, I have uh, my formal education is I have a business degree for undergraduate, uh, and, but I've always been in, uh, interested in high tech, so I've been mostly working um, in high-tech industry for electronic arts, for Sony, gaming companies. So, um, and, but my master's degree is in Chinese culture and medicine. <laughs> uh, but so, once we started, we got into parenting, our, um, um, everything changed. And so we have, um, we have started writelovemath.com, uh, which is, um, which is what we're here to talk about. Uh, my name's uh, uh, Terry Derrick, and um, I uh, have a, uh, uh, an electronic engineering background. Um, I've worked um, most of my professional career in the uh, mobile telecommunications space. So um, I've uh, uh, played a, a heavy hand in um, developing a lot of the technology that uh, you, you use on your smartphone today. Uh, I spent my early around the world in, in Japan uh, building out the, uh, back then it was the first 2G networks, <laughs> where today they're talking about 5G. Uh, so I've uh, spent a lot of time traveling around, um, working in other countries, uh, uh, building out um, uh, mobile technologies. And uh, Japanese culture, um, I spent four years in the late 90s um, working in Japan where we were rolling out uh, the first micro browsers on a phone. We rolled out the uh, first location services, music services. Back then they were called ringtone services um, and forms on a phone. And so... It was uh, to be, be part of that, um, those early days. And then, of course, you know, in 2007, Apple comes along with the iPhone and, and changes the game completely. Uh, so um, 
it's uh, it's it's pretty incredible to see how the technology has changed the world. But uh, as Sasha said, uh, along the way, uh, I married a Japanese lady, and um, we had some kids, and uh, we started training them uh, using the abacus uh, very early. You know, when they were three, four years old, and actually, kind of uh, how Sasha and I. Uh, uh, hooked up and and got started with the idea. That's uh, it's it's really interesting, and and Alex and I are excited to to dive into this a, a bit deeper. So you you've started this company. What is it that you do? What service do you provide? So the uh, the the website is 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 actually a uh, a platform that delivers a program to help any child. Um, master arithmetic. And um, when I say master arithmetic, I really mean master. Um, and we, uh, through our personal experience, have felt that, um, you know, the, the, the elementary schools were not delivering the quality of, of math education that we felt our kids should have. And uh, so we thought that there was a need to fill a gap there and you know as as a good engineer when you have a problem you always look to see if somebody has has already created a solution and you know if you look to asia um you know this is is a method uh for teaching um you know basic numeracy uh, number sense um and all of arithmetic uh in a visual way and I think that's really the modernization of uh, the use of the abacus to uh, for math instruction is is that uh, it it teaches kids to process numbers in a mechanical way that uh, is very visual. Um, and you may know that you know the right side of your brain is the part of your brain that is. Um, responsible for image processing and uh, so our kids learn to move the beads on an abacus which um, over time that begins to form a really intense uh, uh, image in their in their right brain and so they are able to um, uh, do the same uh, mathematical processes uh, without the abacus and they can do that um, through manipulating the mental images uh, in their mind. So that's really interesting. Uh, and I'm sure you get this question a lot, so I'll ask it right up front. Um, I'm sure some folks would sort of reflexively respond to the, the solution that's out there as a calculator. Um, that's what's been invented. Why, why do we need to know this skill? And, and why do kids in particular you know, you're, you emphasize early education. Why do kids need to know this when we have calculators? Well, I'd, um, and I, I think I have a, a really good answer for that. Um, I, I think it's a, a misconception to, to look at the abacus as, um, you know, some ancient calculator. Yeah, I, I will admit that, you know, uh, maybe, you know, 2,500 years ago, uh, that was the purpose, um, was just to do simple calculations. But in the 1930s, the Japanese 
really modernized the device and they really saw it for what it truly is. And they basically the Chinese version and they simplified it and they created uh, a base 10 um, uh, visualization tool. And so they realized that this was the most efficient way to really teach kids how our base 10 system, for example, um, when you, you walk into any public school here in the States and you will never see any instruction uh, to uh, do arithmetic calculations using complements, but this is how your computer does all of its calculations. And um, when we instruct uh, using the abacus, uh, all of their uh, addition and subtraction um, processes are rules. So when you understand manipulate numbers using complements, you better understand how our base tense works. And it teaches you place value right from the very beginning. Uh, it's not an add-on concept. And you understand uh, inherently that um, how we multiply and divide our accounting system. And so uh, I would argue that um, this device and this method is very modern um, in the way we are applying it because it gives kids such a deeper understanding of how their numbering system uh, and the relationships of numbers and the operations of those numbers actually function. Yeah, and uh, just to add to that, it's not always about getting the answer. I mean, we the kids do have calculators now. They do They can punch in those numbers and get the right answer, but what we have noticed through our own kids and later on with the research is that kids have do not gain that understanding, that basic sense of numbers, the numeracy um, uh, that they're supposed to, and so they uh, they are they're not able to manipulate those numbers when when um, they understand how things are done, but but they um, uh, because they're now. Uh, using calculators, they're not able to to move on to to um, to come up with the right answers when 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 they have to. So, in a lot of in a lot of cases, we see uh, kids understanding the concepts, but yet still not coming up with the with the right solutions because that basic arithmetic number sense is missing. And so, what our program does is just that we concentrate just on that, uh, where we. Um, we teach them to um, just like an alphabet. If you, you know, kids know their letters, uh, they can, you know, there's a difference between memorizing some words um, as opposed to uh, uh, themselves, you know, creating sentences. Uh, and so we are we are teaching that number sense, which which cannot just be gotten, you know, with with the calculator. And I, I would add one other piece. There is. Um You'll hear a lot of educators talk about um, kids having uh, or developing the grit to work through um, a problem to its final solution. And we have found that um, and have developed into our program 
uh, a systematic way to help kids actually develop um, their mental endurance, that they can concentrate for longer periods of time, they can focus more intensely um, uh, uh, as they progress through the program. And uh, these types of skills, you know, if you want to call them soft skills or whatever, um, are also critically important, um, you know, to actually be successful. On, on that on that specific um, uh, point you just raised now in terms of soft skills, like how does working with um, uh, with an abacus help with that? Like what, what specifically is targeting that? Well, it, it's, it's really interesting because I, I think there's a bunch of, you know, biomechanical um, interaction that when you put a, a physical device in front of a young child and they enjoy um, interacting with that device, you know, by um, physically moving the beads, um, it, it creates a reaction in them uh, where... Uh, they they are focused um, on on those manipulations, and the more they focus on those, um, the 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 interesting things begin to occur, where they are you know learning um, how to visually represent numbers that you know they can they can use those visual representations and manipulate them uh, even without the device itself. But it is incorporating um, the, the sense of touch as part of the learning process that really accelerates um, uh, their ability to concentrate. Um, and uh, one other thing that we do is, you know, there's there's a lot of controversy around should you, um, you know, give kids time tests or not. Uh, you know, we people debate about the merits of time tests, but through all of the work that we have done, uh, we have seen that um, when when kids know that they uh, are time it does streamline the process, uh, the learning process and the efficiency of the learning because kids, uh, you know, can't just sit around and waste time. They, they realize in order to get the goal. And, um, you know, for many of the kids in the beginning, of course, uh, we, do, we do things like um, we're big fans of, of sumo culture and on our site, um, you know, when a kid passes a test, uh, he, he is rewarded um, by a, a dance that uh, a sumo wrestler does for them. And, you know, they, they get very excited about it. And <laughs> we've, we've even had classrooms of kids where imitate the sumo wrestlers, uh, <laughs> they, you know, because they so much. <laughs> So, so on that point of depth, you know, versus surface, which is something always of interesting, always of uh, of interest. You talked about developing mental endurance. Are you seeing uh, a positive response and interest from parents, whom I'm assuming are your sort of the primary folks you you engage? And how does that relate to, um, you know, sort of fears of of using uh, digital devices? 
are they are they concerned that their kids are are just skating on the surface with with their knowledge and their coursework and that's why they come to you or are they um or is this not really an issue i i think that's that's really interesting um uh you know parents overwhelmingly uh that uh have had their kids participate in our program have uh i, I would even use the word shocked at um, how quickly we can achieve results with their kids. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. We were um, working with a third grade teacher who um, this teacher, uh, you know, had, had, had said to, to us that over the, you know, she had been teaching, I think, for over 20 years, and she said, um, you know, she always struggles, um, you know, getting the kids to to do well in math. And so she tried our program out. And um, after one month of implementation of the program in her classroom, uh, a, 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 a little third grade girl um, and uh, she was crying. And at first I thought, oh boy, we did something really wrong and this is a total disaster. <laughs> the little girl came up to me and I asked her why she was crying. And she said, uh, she called me Mr. Terry. And she said, uh, Mr. Terry, um, I'm not crying because these are happy tears. She said, I thought that I couldn't do math, but I can do this. And that mm -hmm. confidence level uh, changed that girl's life. And, you know, these are the types of things that I think when education is, uh, is done in the right way, in the right context, um, they can produce amazing results and, and really change the life of, of these children and how they they look at themselves, how they look at their academic futures, the challenges that they will be willing to take on. Um, and it all starts in elementary school. Yeah. Those parents, Alex, those parents that, uh, that have math as, as, as an important subject for their kids, they come to us and they're, you know, they're shocked and thankful. But what we unfortunately see is that there are a lot of parents that uh, they simply don't know where their child is at the elementary school level. Mm -hmm. And this is the problem that, um, that we face. Um, if people would just understand the importance of math later on and where they are currently, um, I'm, you know, I, things would be different, but this is the battle. It's not, this is the battle that we're up against. It's, you know, it's not so much the content, but the, uh, where, you know, where people see math uh, in elementary school, so. That's a bigger question, but yeah. could you could you say something a little bit about um, uh, essentially, you know, how we know this works? Um, you know, and this can either be from um, from a kind of more kind of um, uh, what what studies have shown, or just from experientially from you know the history of education in uh, Japan, where I believe. Uh, at least one of you has uh, has some experience. You know what 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 kinds of um, examples or, or 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 proofs and so on, or, or, or examples of of success and, and, and the role that, that this kind of education can how, how it can help someone's life when it's when it's taught to them early on. 
Uh, I think that's a, a great question. Um, and there's, there's lots of layers to the answer there. Um, I would start off saying that uh, personally with my own two daughters, um, I uh, started them uh, learning math uh, in using the Sorban. And um, my two daughters entered kindergarten uh, multiplying and dividing double digit numbers. The school's requirement <laughs> for entering uh, kindergarten was simply to be able to recite uh, numbers one to 30. Um, so right. uh, immediately I saw a dramatic effect. Um, and, you know, it's not that my kids are some, you know, gifted math geniuses. Um, it's, it's just the matter of the efficiency of, of the learning process. And um, uh, if, if you want, uh, uh, you know, more of a third party evidence, well, if we look at um, the high school level, for example, uh, the PISA scores, which are the international testing, um, I think some 72 countries participate uh, you know, the United States is, is 30, I think, 39th in math out of the 72 countries. And the top 10 are all Asian countries. And in all of these cultures, um, the Soroban has been a significant um, instrument in math instruction. Now, some will, some will argue, well, they don't really use it that much anymore in the public schools. In, and that may be true, but uh, there's a very robust private sector um, that, you know, you will find uh, many, many Soroban schools all throughout India, Japan, China, where across Asia. So, you know, whether public or private is delivering it, it's still happening. Um, but I, I think that... Uh, you know, when you begin to, to really look at um, the early research um, where, uh, you know, things like um, there was a, uh, a research done by um, uh, professors that the Department of Education ran, uh, led by a guy named Duncan, and he was looking at um, you know, what really affects uh, future learning outcomes more than anything else. And a uh, study overwhelmingly showed that if we focused on, on math um, early on, that it would produce better uh, future academic outcomes than anything else we could do uh, by a factor of two. So, um, math, even more than reading or, you know, attention skills or, 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 or other areas that we typically look at uh, in the early years, um, math will, focusing on math in kindergarten will actually produce better readers down the road than focusing on reading would. And it has a lot to do um, with, uh, you know, how we've evolved as humans. You know, we've only been reading for a couple of centuries, but we've been doing, you know, developing logic and reasoning and problem solving for millennia. 
And so our brains are uh, well developed uh, uh, for for mathematics that uses all of these um, of the brain where you know reading is something that uh, we almost have to hear or try to learn to read. So how are people using the online course then uh, that you have running up at uh, right lobe math? Um, and tell us about some of the, the stories that you have from, from your users. Our, our program uh, can be used in primarily two. Uh, one, it can be uh, just used uh, by individuals. So individuals can um, log into the system and uh, they can uh, run through the program uh, independently uh, uh, by themselves. So the program is designed to be a self-learning system. So we, uh, an individual user would um, typically come to the system and, and then practice that skill until they master it. And once they've mastered it and demonstrated that mastery, then the software moves them on to the next skill and they repeat this incremental uh, learning process over and over. And so um, uh, they are able to uh, move at their own pace however fast or slow uh, that needs to be. And um, they are uh, always able to be aware of uh, their progress through the system. The other way that it can be used is, um, uh, it, you know, it, you can group students together uh, as a digital classroom. And so if, if you were a teacher, for example, um, you would have your own uh, digital classroom where uh, you can manage, um, you know, a group of students all at one time. In in through one UI, you would be able to see uh, how all of your students um, are progressing or the lack of progression uh, through through one uh, UI view. Um, so the the platform can be used either individually or it can be used by teachers um, or organizations that want to run uh, a group of, of students together. Besides Soroban, besides Abacus, we also have a mental mental math module, uh, mm-hmm. math facts module, um, which are so based on what they learn in Soroban, the same concepts, we later on take them, once they know some basics, we take them to uh, to our mental math program. Um, like I was alluding to before, um, as they as they physical sort of on, um, they very quickly begin to build mental images uh, of the bead movements, and uh, so we further through our our mental calculation program, which parallels Sorbon program. And uh, it will touch on um, two more areas where uh, we will present problems to the kids in a sequential um, order. In other words, we we will flash the numbers uh, in front of them so they only have a brief uh, moment of time to process uh, each number that they are shown. And... um, um, we also will do this uh, audibly, where the numbers are read to them uh, sequentially, and they process them 
uh, one at a time. Uh, you may have seen uh, some of these competitions uh, that take place around the world where... Is um, it the Flash Anzan? Yes, it is. And um, I think the current world record holder in Japan, um, uh, I, think he's, uh, I think he's a middle schooler, and um, he processed uh, 15 three-digit numbers in 1.7 seconds. And... <laughs> It's just an incredible display of how powerful um, uh, the visual processing can become. And, you know, it's just a, really a matter of training. And um, I, I think it's just uh, uh, a, an incredible thing to, to watch as and to demonstrate how powerful the human mind really can be. Um, and so... Um, Uh, take students step by step uh, through this entire process. And um, all of our kids um, are successful at each of their levels um, uh, because we take this, this incremental approach as, as they work through it. Right, right. And mental math, we also do it not only uh, visually, but also audibly. So we will also read the numbers and, and mm -hmm. the kids won't even see them. And they'll still be able to move those bits. Yeah. So we're we're trying to train them through touch, sight, and and uh, audible as well. So we try, if you will. Could you say something a little bit about the kind of the physicality of it? Like, is it um, is it important that people work with the actual physical artifact in front of them? I mean, I know there are such things as kind of digital abacuses on an iPad or whatever. Yeah. Um... Uh, that's a great question. Um, what we have found is is that uh, it is possible to you know go through the program with with a digital uh, uh, sort of on you know on your smartphone or your tablet or, or whatnot, um, and and that can work. Um, it's just not as efficient um, because uh, there is this tactileness of. of um, when when the the user is is physically moving the beads, uh, it produces a much stronger feedback to the brain um, that accelerates uh, their 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 visual development process. And so um, we strongly recommend that um, you work with a physical device at least in the beginning. Um, uh, You know, but we don't we don't tell our students, you know, don't use uh, a digital versions because we get it, you know, when, you know, maybe you're out and about and you don't have your sort of on, but your mom has a smartphone, um, you know, it, it can make it quite convenient. Right. So how long does this take start to finish? Um, I'm terrible at it and uh, am inspired by this conversation so how long does it take me to become a math genius um well uh, you know i think that's uh, a little bit on uh, an individual basis but um based on the data that that we have um our our sort of program is is broken into two main uh, uh parts the the first part is what we call our skill training which uh, teaches you all of the possible um, uh, movements um, for any addition or, and subtraction. 
counter on a Sorbonne. And it turns out that uh, when you break that all down, there are actually only six possible movements. And so um, we take kids through this uh, skill training program, and we have found that for a, a second grader or third grader, so you're talking maybe a seven, eight-year-old, um, they can uh, learn all of those skills in about a th three to four period. Uh, adult possibly go through it faster. Um, but the one thing that I caution is that um, to really develop the visualization um, part uh, of, of it, uh, in that case, you know, it, it, you have to spend a certain number of hours um, uh, practicing and, and the repetition of it that um, uh, will really produce um, the strong images uh, in the brain. Uh, where intellectually, for example, I could teach you everything you need to know uh, to do any arithmetic problem, including decimals, negative numbers, whatever, um, in about an hour that you could understand um, all of all of uh, what we teach in 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 this program conceptually in about an hour. But um, to really master it to where you could um, perform, uh, you know, very rapid, um, large, you know, that's something that would take a number of years. Um, so this is, I'm not entirely sure I'm, I'm kind of going to formulate the question correctly, but I kind of on the periphery of reading things here and there, I know there's some kind of debate um, among a certain kind of person about the benefits of a base 10 system versus, um, I'm going to say, well, a, a, another base system. Um, and Soroban is, is, as far as I can figure out, kind of interacts with the base 10 system. The Chinese abacus, I think, is what, a base 16 device? Um, That's correct. And I, I guess I'm just wondering, kind of, um, are there any advantages to one versus the other? Is this, you know, if you could change the world or whatever, would you switch us all to a different base system, as some people would have it? <laughs> <laughs> interesting uh, uh, question there um i can give you the historical perspective is uh you know the swampan which is um the chinese version uh that was the predecessor of the japanese version because uh the japanese imported uh the abacus from china um but, but Back in, in, in ancient China, uh, they actually used a base 16 numbering system. And that's why uh, their version of the abacus has seven beads instead of five. Um, so that was actually their number system. And this was before, uh, in those days, competing with the Arabic system, you know, because our base 10 system was um, initially uh, um, created in, in India. Um, and so, uh, you know, the, the West kind of adopted the Arabic system as opposed to the Chinese system. And 
that's pretty much why we have base 10 more places than than we do base 16 and and i don't think it's a matter of one is better than the other um it's just a standard so whatever standard is is more widely adopted um I, i think that's the more valuable one and and clearly base 10 is pretty much adopted everywhere What's the uh, primary difficulty you've discovered with uh, building, running, and you know, designing uh, an online learning platform? A uh, piece of advice you would you would give to your younger and uh, less wise self? Wow, that's that's an incredible question, Matt. Um, uh, this was one area that um, you know I think the power of software and technology allows you to ask those kinds of questions that, you know, you just normally can't, can't ask um, any other way. And one of the things that we did uh, early on as we were developing the program is we began asking questions about like, you know, when a teacher gives uh, a classroom of students uh, a math test, uh, you know, she goes online or she she pulls it out of a, a book somewhere and she gives, you know, because she doesn't want kids to cheat. She gives everybody a, a different version of the test. Right. And I always wondered, wow, is, is that really fair? Does she know that each one of those tests is equivalent, equivalently difficult. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I started to poke around and, you know, nobody was really looking um, at, uh, you know, creating these tests uh, from that point of view. They just said, well, they're all two digit numbers, so they have to be um, equally difficult. And so we wrote some software to really analyze um, all of the different number combinations. And we were kind of shocked that there was a tremendous variation in difficulty level that, you know, if you just looked at, at the two tests, you would say, yeah, they, they look exactly the same. But uh, when you peel back the onion, um, uh, software uh, analysis had shown us that there was uh, a tremendous variation in difficulty. So one of the things that we've done with our content um, is not only is it generated dynamically that gives us lots of variation, but um, we are able to analyze um, what we generate and we can put constraints around it to guarantee that every quiz we give at any given level will be exactly um, the same in difficulty level as any other quiz. Um, that we put in front of a kid. And um, as we're now uh, starting to uh, move into the area of uh, providing a competition platform, uh, because kids just love to compete, um, this is something that then, you know, becomes uh, quite important. Right. Yep. You want to know you're competing on a level playing field, right? Uh, yeah, I have something a little to add. For those people who are about to build a learning platform, um, at least it is, you know, just be ready to throw away everything you've done. I mean, we've had a privilege <laughs> and 
we've had privilege to work. Our software came out of classrooms, you know, where we taught kids and we saw them using what we've what what we've built right away, and just you know, you just have to go with it. You just have to go where kids go, and um, not be married to your ideas as to how you see that should work. And uh, I think that it's been for us uh, the winning solution where we were kind of changing, you know, I guess many companies success, but for us, it's been real, you know, it's just me and Terry and we've been constantly paying attention to our, and they always showed us the way. And um, yeah. And, and I hope we, you know, I hope this stays that way because it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I think the guiding principle um, for us has been twofold that, one, we want um, our students to enjoy the process of learning. We want it to be uh, self-empowering. We, you know, we want them to uh, uh, go through this process and and see, um, you know, their academic endeavor as you know something that enables their future and opens up doorways. Uh, but it's also about, you know, efficiency and the efficiency of learning. It, you know, just like adults, uh, kids don't like to waste their time. And so, um, you know, uh, everything we do in our software and in our, uh, our user interfaces is, is all about to um, help kids get to their goals as quickly as possible and enjoy enjoy that journey and um as as part of that uh experience um we started to um look at uh you know many of of the you'll see uh academic websites that kind of you know use this word we we gamify learning right you know so we kind of put learning in a Mm -hmm. in a, a video game context um and uh, Sasha and I have taken kind of different tact. We use we use the uh, the mechanics of gaming that motivate kids, but instead of um, you know useless payoffs of you know digital artifacts that can't do anything with, um, we decided to try to open up other academic. Um, areas uh of that might be of interest for example now when kids train on our site uh they earn they they earn uh digital money that they can buy uh kanji characters which are um you know the the chinese characters that they can learn um how to write those characters they learn what the meaning of those characters are, and they learn how to form words with those characters. So we gave a payoff that opens up a different academic door that you know they might not have otherwise stepped through, and the kids just love it. So some of your comments there segue nicely to a few questions here on on the bigger picture things. Um, about you know where trends are going and and following sort of where where kids are are leading you you know are you feeling that your organization it, it ties into this uh, very high interest in STEM uh, you know work 
going on in the United States and, and in the West more broadly at the moment. And, um, you know, it is, uh, I guess that's the first question is your role in that. And then second, um, is it a good thing that we're obsessed with uh, STEM? Is there any downside uh, whatsoever? Well, I guess on, on how you want to you wanna look at that. Um, if you look at it from a future jobs perspective, uh, you know, just go ahead and take a look at the, the statistics that the Labor Department put. They do 10-year projections on um, what the, the job market will look like for our kids, you know, uh, post-graduation. And what's very clear is I, I think um, I think the last report even is, is predicting by 2025, um, more than half of all new jobs will require math and computer skills. So, and they expect that trend accelerate. So mathematics is becoming even more important. I mean, you know, look at the expo explosion out here in Silicon Valley uh, around this idea of, you know, AI or artificial intelligence. Um, you know, the, the big thing now here in Silicon Valley is, you know, to hire a bunch of you know, math people and um, uh, software people who understand the mathematics and can and move into large data sets and ask questions that were unthinkable before. And you're seeing it, you're seeing it being applied across every single industry. And, and um, there's no, that trend uh, uh, won't continue. So, you know, I would say um, uh, in terms of jobs, uh, anything we can do to, to help um, our kids better prepare uh, for what they're going to be facing um, and the, the place that we can have the biggest impact in all, all of the research is in early education, in the elementary schools. If we can really move the needle on math education there, uh, we'll produce the biggest dividends uh, down the road. So that's why we focused here uh, in elementary school on arithmetic because this is the foundation of everything. And if you, if you, you know, our current system is allowing kids to pass through with significant gaps in um, their math uh, understanding. And so what happens is, is once they go to middle school and on into high school, uh, the research shows again that those gaps never get uh, remediated. And so, um, you know, what happens is, is by the time you get to high school, um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's almost too late. Uh, and so many kids are, are spending, you know, extra time and money in college taking remedial classes to fill the gaps that, um, you know, they learn uh, through, through K through 12. And um, so I think that, that this is really the heart of the problem uh, when you really, really boil it down, that it's, it's the simple stuff 
that will have the biggest uh, future impact. And in to that, the, the, the softer skills, like we were talking about endurance and concentration and grit to, to work through and not give up, if we can build those qualities into our kids in elementary school, um, I think we have a bright future. If we don't, uh, the rest of the world, um, you know, they're, they're advancing and they're competing for the best jobs, the, you know, getting their kids into the best universities. And um, I think we got to step up our game. Yeah, it's it's really interesting what you're saying, and actually, it's funny. You know, we we've been recording a, bu a bunch of different conversations with people for this series, which is ostensibly kind of under the rubric of technology. But actually, what a lot of our guests seem to return to um, uh, quite often is this idea of fundamentals and going back to fundamentals, and that you can't really make these big advances or move forward or, or whatever if you don't have a strong grasp of the of the fundamentals. Um, but I wanted to ask, um, you know, obviously your your focus is on younger learners. Um, what about older people? Um, do you have any sense of the proportion of people using your site who are, you know, let's say like myself in their 30s and upwards? Um, and or what kind of resources and practices would you recommend for someone, let's say like myself, who, you know, had a kind of somewhat standard maths education but didn't emerge from it with any great sense of skill or confidence um yeah yeah it's a, a wonderful wonderful thought and and question um I, I think there are are two um main uh ideas there one is um you know as you mentioned uh many of us in in adult life um just never learned math on this fundamental level um really understanding um, our, our base 10 system and how it works uh, through the elements and place value and, and repeated addition or subtraction. Um, and it's unfortunate that, that we don't teach math in, in this, you know, fund. Um, so I think that's very interesting for uh, adults to learn. But a lot of adults, which I think you may have crossed paths with some of them over at our friends at the Art of Memory, that um, want to advance their mental calculation skills. You know, because having mental calculation skills is just useful in general life. <laughs> yeah, and um, right. you know, as we get older, uh, you know, being able to uh, use our mental faculties uh, has has proven that uh, that's a worthwhile endeavor. And um, you know, I think the other area, um, you know, you, you look at at a lot of the 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 recommendations that come out of uh, you know the Alzheimer's um, Association, you know, for dementia and 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 Alzheimer's, and they constantly talk about. Uh, you know, older people and the need for them to continue uh, learning new things. And, you know, okay, we can do our crossword puzzles and, and we can play Sudoku and things like that. But 
I think <laughs> this is is another tool that we can use that uh, help uh, slow down, uh, you know, the advancement of of some of these diseases. So you had mentioned uh, earlier the 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 comment and um and and folks there. T- I think national is the smallest scale <laughs> that they think at. They think uh, globally, and I'm, I'm sure somebody at this point is thinking about how to, you know, set up businesses on Mars and, you know, startup culture and, and all these things. Uh, programs like yours can have massive effects for, for those people um, that are aware of it. Is it your ambition to uh, go into that and to scale and grow and become uh, uh, a new cornerstone of sort of a new education system, or is it, or or what are your ambitions there? This is we want all kids, <laughs> we want all little kids to learn math, and we don't know any other more effective way to do it than what we've done. We wrote, but but where where the schools are moving, where they. It's not, we cannot afford anymore to have one teacher standing in front of 30 kids and broadcasting information. There's, you know, there's 30% who are always below the, there's some people that are above and, um, you know, and all of them are not moving at their most, um, you know, where they can be most achieving uh, things. So, um, so we are definitely a part of that revolution because this is, we believe that this is what the where kids are working at their own pace, self-learning, and the teachers are there to assist when uh, uh, in our classroom, they raise their hand, we come in, we tell them in a minute exactly the problem they're facing, we help them get over it, and they, they go on, work themselves for months uh, until they have a... Yeah, I'll give you a... a a little deeper into talking about we're really talking about um, uh, you know learning efficiency and using our teaching resources in the most efficient way so you know if a teacher can focus on the kids that actually need the help uh, that's time much better spent than if she's just you know generally broadcasting and trying to guess what uh, this is shines because bringing technology into the education process now gives us the data that we can actually begin to understand each individual's um, uh, learning process. So, for example, one of the things that we're working on now, it, it, you know, we had talked about. Um, uh, you know, whether or not we should be using a physical Sorbonne or a digital Sorbonne. Well, we, you know, as technology people recognize that the digital Sorbonne plays a very significant role um, in uh, acquisition of learning data. So, for example, if if a student is working on a physical Sorbonne and uh, all we know data-wise is did they give us the correct answer or not. But if I, I have that same student work out the problem on a digital Sorbonne, I can track all mm-hmm. of their bead movements so I know exactly where the mistake was made 
what the misconception is, and then I can rectify it right then and there. Before it becomes a habit. Yes. And so this is where we believe the future of education is. You know, you look at what Sal Khan is doing with Khan Academy. It's, it's uh, you know, in a very general sense. Uh, but, you know, he talks about many of the same, but it is it is striving for this dramatic increase in learning efficiency. And the only way to do that is to get to the data. And to get to the data on an individual basis, the only thing is using uh, the technology where um, teachers today working on paper and pencil, uh, they really don't have any idea stand uh, at any given time because it's it's just not practical for them to you know try to weed through uh, uh, all of that paper and make sense of it but that's something we can easily do in the technology space and hence hence if the if the teachers themselves don't have a solid idea the parents are presented with the view that is not if they are presented with the view that is not fully there to to make any kind of analysis what we're talking about here is tra transparency and real-time data on where your kid is at any time and we're seeing it and it's than anything in in changing uh not only student but parent behavior so um and you know leads to a to a better system we think so yeah i mean you know we've worked with parents um uh, where, you know, we worked with their kids for, for just a month or so, and the parent, um, our initial feedback on where we think uh, their math level is, would be shocked and say, you know, that their teachers were telling them, you know, their kid was doing fine or doing great, no problems, and we painted a very different picture by showing them the data of what understands well and 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 have them give them the information to compare it where their kids are at, at in comparison to other kids of their age their grade they had no, no idea in many cases and that that's a wake-up call this is the data we cannot currently get from from our educational system it's it's hidden um you know we get one tenth test a year in elementary schools did that and uh it's still nothing is conclusive so um, the the school of the future um, is 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 coming, <laughs> and we are. I think we are. Um, you know, we are touching on many concepts that I think will will be present there. Yeah, because you know, if if you believe that our kids are going to be competing on a global level, um, enter the best universities to to have a shot at. at opportunities uh, and has to be on a global level and and that's why we want to put this platform out there on the internet so that you know we currently have kids you know training from many many different countries and as we you know move forward we'll begin to make sure that all parents around the world all in the world will be able to see 
um, you know, who's doing better? And then we can begin to ask the question, doing better. Uh, what are things can copy? What are, what are problem areas we can fix? And um, this is where technology uh, really, really, I think, becomes a powerful tool. Um, and, you know, I'm not an advocate of, of just throwing technology at every problem, but this is one problem where technology uh, fits very well. And, and as I mentioned before, um, you, you look at uh, the dramatic changes that, um, you know, all these data scientists are making in the AI space. Well, there's no reason to believe that that can't be applied to the education space. And that's where we want to go with it. <laughs>